I always thought big. Taking no prisoners, slay the dragon. It works sometimes, but it's risky and often fails. Did you ever get the directive to go find a 20% cost savings? Gross sales by 15%? Add 10% to the bottom line? And all of this by some unreasonable date? What if you got the same directive to go find just 1%? Would that be easier? A little less stressful? More doable? Yeah, I see you nodding your head. I'm watching you. I can watch you through the internet, you know. So what would you rather do? Go for 20% or go for 1%? The answer is both. Today's episode, Bernie's Batteries. How one man with a big brain taught 5,000 managers to think small and win. Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Kelly. And this is My Job Here is Done. If you really want that next promotion or you're a rising star entrepreneur, we have some stories to tell that will absolutely help you. I've been starting and running businesses all my life. And I've worked for the man like a dog for decades. Together, we'll share stories, ideas, and notions that will help you absolutely soar past that cruiser sitting next to you. And if you're grinding forward with your growing business, we know where the landmines are. Let's find them. Hey, it's only about 20 minutes. What do you have to lose? Nothing. Or everything. Hi there, and welcome back to the program. I'm Dave, and this is the lovely and talented... Kelly. And my job here is done. Well, almost. We've got about 20 minutes. We've got a really interesting topic today. If you'd like to learn more about the show, please head over to our website, myjobhereisdone.com. That's all one word, myjobhereisdone. Don't put any spaces in or anything silly like that. Myjobhereisdone.com. And you can learn all about the show, right? Yes. Check it out. So this is the one about Bernie's batteries. Say what? Yeah. <laughs> and for those who don't remember the original Radio Shack stores, stay tuned for a helpful notion. And for those who actually went to a Radio Shack store more than a few times. Like Dave. Yeah, this should bring back a few memories. So I think everybody remembers Radio Shack. Uh, it was the first like consumer electronics store. Yeah. And a household brand for decades. There was a Radio Shack in nearly every strip mall. They had sort of a nerdy reputation. What? Yeah, you know, I know you spent a lot of time there, Dave. They were a different kind of store when they first got started. So like like a lot of businesses, they had a uh, complicated backstory. I looked up their history a little bit and found out that they started out in 1919. And they grew to over 7,000 stores internationally. Rewind to the 50s when they had a dozen or so stores in the northeast of the United States. Yeah, they were just growing back then. Yeah. And in 1959, a pots and pans sales guy, Bernie Appel from Boston, joined Radio Shack as a buyer. And over the years, he worked hard and got promoted and eventually became the president and chairman of Radio Shack from like 1984 to 1992. Yeah, earned the name Mr. Radio Shack, as I remember him. Everybody called him Mr. Radio Shack. Wow. He was the face. You must make a lot of contributions to be called Mr. Fill-in-the-blank. So Radio Shack had a good run, but unfortunately in 2015, they filed for Chapter 11 
for a variety of reasons. Radio Shack was a huge brand name uh, that, that everybody remembers. Dave has an interesting story because not only did we go there as kids with our families, Dave eventually had a job there. I had a bout with failure in my early business ventures, and I was absolutely positively flat broke. I had to get a job, anything to survive, and it's kind of the entrepreneur in somebody who starts a business but then fails. There's a lot of uh, remorse. There's a lot of kicking yourself in the head. There's, you know, you just got to get your mind right. Right. But when you're done with that, you keep going on. Working in a McDonald's was certainly not beneath me. I would have done anything. Right. But my tech background and kind of love for anything that had electricity, you know, flowing around it or through it, prevented me from learning the popular phrase, uh, would you like fries with that? <laughs> <laughs> so I got a job at Radio Shack as a sales dude. Uh, yeah. I remember walking into the store and meeting the store manager who seemed to be pretty surprised that I was applying for a job. And I actually asked him, his name was Wayne. You look a little surprised. <laughs> yeah, why was he surprised? Well, he was surprised because my background was not first time sales guy coming in. Like, oh. like I didn't have any sales experience. And Wayne actually said to me one day, are you just doing this temporarily until you get back on your feet? Sure, because, you know, a lot of expense of a business is training employees. Yes, and, and Radio Shack had a program for training that everybody went through. It didn't matter where you came from. You went through their 15 steps to selling. Yeah, and, you know, that's not cheap. They invest a lot of time and money into their employees, and I'm sure, like many, um, like many other organizations, they don't want to waste their time and money. They want to make sure the person that they are spending money on is invested in, in the company. Right. And, and stick around. So I lied to him and said, no. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. what choice did you have? I said, you know, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I said, no, I think Radio Shack's a wonderful company. I'm going to make this a great career. I'm I always wanted for, to work at Radio Shack. I just love it here, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so Wayne said, okay. Thought to myself, there's no way that I want to stay at Radio Shack for any length of time. Right. I just want to, I'm broke. You needed a paycheck. I needed to get off broke. Right. And then I would let my entrepreneurial spirit go forward again. Absolutely. What I didn't realize is the importance of the lessons that I would learn at Radio Shack. Right. So I got the job. Uh, and let me prove to anyone out there that worked um, at a Radio Shack or managed a Radio Shack. I'm going to give you a few Radio Shack buzzwords. Ready? Force feed. Inventory gains. I-C-S-T. And of course, I mentioned the 15 steps to selling and the annual manager's meeting. Ooh. So Radio Shack was kind of in a sales slump during that time. The annual meeting was a way to reinvigorate. It was a way for 5,000 managers to all come together in one place. It was kind of like half an Amway kind of, mm -hmm. you know, like rah-rah, right? Yep, rah-rah <laughs> session. And then half of it was here are the new products, here are the new stores that are opening, here are yeah. the new programs, so on and so forth. As a couple of days up in New York, John Roach, uh, the CEO at the time, was very engaging, super savvy, well-respected by the team. And 
I had worked at Radio Shack now for a little over a year and a half, and I moved my way up from being a sales associate to a manager of a computer store. That year, when I went to the first manager's meeting, which was in New York City, I was one of two recipients of the Chairman's Challenge Award for top sales gains. Wow. So we kicked ass. So anyway, I was one of two that won the Chairman's Challenge Award for that year. Shout out to my friend Robert if he's ever listening to the program here. Did he win the other one? He won the other one, yep. Uh, And yep, good for Robert, another smart guy. It was a big deal for me. I bet. John Roach was inspirational during his keynote speaker, and he set the stage for the for just set the stage for the next two days. But it was Bernie Appel who everyone wanted to hear. He got his name Mr. Radio Shack. Because he was bigger than life. Bernie never made you feel like you were different than him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a trait of a good leader. Absolutely. So every year at the annual meeting, Bernie would go through the Radio Shack catalog. Do you remember the catalog? Like a Sears catalog or like a flyer? No, no, it was a catalog. I don't remember the catalog. Yeah, there was a catalog. There was a catalog. There were, you know, there were flyers too, but there was a catalog and you could page through this catalog. Every single item that Radio Shack sold was in the catalog. Was there makeup? No, there was. No. Were there sparkly things? (laughs) No. No, then, then girls wouldn't remember the catalog. Go ahead. So he would do his catalog review. And I remember Bernie was going through the catalog and he went to like the third, he's going to start and he'd go on page one and he'd go, I really like this item. It's going to sell. You guys need to really get out there and push this. It's got good profit margin. You're going to make your customers happy, blah, 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 blah. And everybody's looking up there and he paid, go to page two and it's like, I really don't know why we put this thing in the damn catalog. I think this is a piece of crap. You know, if it sells, it sells. You know, somebody overruled me. You know, that's the kind of guy he was. Anyway, the, the, the catalog presentation is over. And I don't remember if Bernie did this in front of all 5,000 people or if this was in one of the breakout rooms. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody who uh, back in the day remembers this story can leave it in the comments or let us know on our website, yes. you know, like if they remember. Any Radio Shack peeps out there. Yeah, but all of that is good fun. Let's get to the meat and potatoes here. Mm-hmm. Radio Shack was struggling for profit. Okay. They were struggling to increase revenue. And like most businesses that are doing that, they were looking for a way to make sales gains. Yeah. But not just little sales gains. They needed to make big sales gains. They wanted to make 10% sales gains. Mm -hmm. And when you're a multi-billion dollar company, and I think Radio Shack back at that time or Tandy combination Radio Shack was probably 4 billion in in annual sales per year. To make a 10% sales gain on anything close to that, that's a huge number. You have to change the game a lot. Yes. So we're in a meeting. And again, I don't remember if it's the big 5,000 people meeting or if it's the breakout group. Bernie says, we need a 10% sales gain and I'm counting on you guys to do it. Wow. That's a tall order. It's a tall order. And, and nobody was used to making 10% sales gains in the normal stores. Now in the computer stores, they were doing that. But the clock radios and VCRs and all that kind of stuff, eh, not so much. Yeah. And little switches. Right. You'd have to sell a lot of, of switches. You'd have yes, and little transistors yeah. and all of that. Yes, I yeah. can picture them hanging in the little plastic bags on the wall. So Bernie's serious. He wants us to do a 10% sales gain and nobody has a clue on how to do it. Not a friggin' clue. 
because yeah. there's, we have very little control as managers of the store. Just like in most businesses, managers of individual departments have little that they can control on like the non-controllable expenses, right? right. So you can't go to non-controllable expenses, electricity, rent, yes, so on right. and so forth, yep. and, and go make major changes there quickly. So you have to go into controllable expenses in order to try to figure out you know, where can you save? Right. Where are the efficiencies? Radio Shack store managers had some control of controllable expenses, but they had already applied all of the efficiencies that they could. There was just no other place. To squeeze out that little bit, right? Well, actually that significant bit. Exactly. Bernie was asked very politely, so how are we supposed to do that? Right. <laughs> and with a confidence that would cause you to just... Follow him into a ditch. He says, you're going to do it with batteries. It's almost like he was just waiting for someone to ask. It felt like that <laughs> because everybody started to laugh. Right. So Radio Shack was very famous for having batteries. Any kind of battery that you could ever think of, Radio Shack had the battery. So if you had nothing else on your shopping list except a battery, you normally went to Radio Shack in order to find that battery. But how is that going to help us? How are batteries going to help us? So if we wanted to try to do same store sales gains, so if you hear the term same store sales gains or same store statistics or same store comparisons, uh, which is used a lot in financial lingo. What it simply means is let's just say you have 100 stores and you opened 10 new ones mm -hmm. in the last year. Okay. You would do the calculation based on the 90 stores and you would not use the 10 new. Oh, I see. So you would exclude them. You would exclude them because they're different. Right. They're not the same. Yeah. So hence same store. I see. So- we all figured that it would be almost impossible to have 10% same store sales gains based on batteries. Right. And, 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 and Bernie just slid back in his chair with a utmost of confidence and said, you need to think small. You're thinking too big. Stop confusing yourself. Stop trying to go find the obvious because you've already looked for the obvious. The corporation has looked for the obvious. The obvious is not there. Now you have to be creative. Right. You're going to get 10%, but you're going to do it in a different way. Let's do some math. The average non-product, and I'll explain non-product in a minute, okay? Mm -hmm. The average non-product ticket, sales ticket, yeah, was $5.55. So not a whole lot, right? No. The average product ticket was a little over $100, as I remember. Mm -hmm. So we had non-product tickets and product tickets. Yeah. Non-product tickets were those sales that came in to do just what you said, Kelly. I um, need to buy a switch. I need mm -hmm. to buy a little pieces parts. Yep. And those average tickets were $5.55. Yep. Makes sense. If you came in and you were buying, you know, a clock radio, or if you're going to buy toys, which they were also very famous for, right. or CB radios, mm -hmm. or anything like that, the average ticket was just a little over $100. Mm -hmm. And this is what Bernie said. All I want you to do is add one battery to every ticket. One battery to every ticket. Is that too much to ask for, guys? 
how much were batteries back then? So here's the key. The average non-product ticket was $5.55. Right. The average battery was 59 cents. Oh boy. Do the math. Right. There you have it. There's your 10% sales gain. Add one battery to a $5.55 average ticket and you will average a 10% gain. Simplistic, but brilliant. So he took all of the fear out of that. Right. Who can't sell a battery? Who can't sell a friggin' battery? He took all of the fear out of it and he simplified it and he made it feel as if, okay, this is now accomplishable because I'm not looking at it in the weird way. It's where I developed what I call my 1% rule and I will tell you about it in a second. How about the product ticket? That one's a little more challenging. That's a little more challenging, right? That's a lot of batteries. That's a lot of batteries or it's one master battery pack. So average $100 ticket. Yeah. The battery pack, which included, if I remember, like 4C batteries and 4D batteries and 4AA batteries and a couple of 9 volts, so it's like $9.99. Oh, and it it satisfied all of your battery needs. (laughs) You should do the commercial for it. (laughs) Right? It satisfied all of your battery needs. Come to radio show. (laughs) So Bernie said, if it's a non-product ticket, just sell one battery. If it's a product ticket... Sell one battery pack. Yeah. And everybody, all 5,000 people left that meeting invigorated that they could actually do a 10% sales gain. Oh, yeah. I bet they were all jazzed up. It's brilliant. Bernie was simply brilliant in breaking things down to the lowest common denominator and making it feel like, oh, there's a path forward on something that does not look like there's a path forward. And I seem to recall the same store sales gains after the fiscal year approached that number. Whether it hit the 10% or not wasn't important. What was important is that we exceeded expectations by doing one simple thing. What a great rule that you can apply to so many things, right? So that's my 1% rule. Yeah. So here's what I adopted. And this is what I learned from working at a Radio Shack. And I guarantee you, You can learn things from working anywhere. You will learn things at working at a McDonald's. So if you're, if you're working at a McDonald's and you're looking to move up the ladder and you want to be an assistant manager at a McDonald's or a manager at McDonald's, there is nothing wrong with that goal aspiration. If you think about it, Dave. You're just talking about two different business models, but you're talking about upselling in both. Do you want fries with that or do you want batteries with that? You're absolutely right. (laughs) You've just made the analogy that I didn't actually even put together in the beginning of the program here. Think about it. When you say, do you want fries with that? You're upselling. You're just asking for the damn batteries. Yeah, exactly. You just can eat the fries. You're just in a different building. (laughs) Same exact principle. Right. Simple little things in order to take care of big problems. Yeah. So the 1% rule is very simple. Let's just say that you've got to do a 10% cost reduction. Do not go looking out for a one-time 10% hit. Mm -hmm. It is likely not there. Yeah. Go find 10 one percenters and you will achieve your goal. I promise you, you will achieve your goal. and, And it's pretty painless, 
So let's recap. We covered the notion I call the 1% rule, and that guides us to react to the bigger goals by thinking small. Right. So in the end, goals can seem overwhelming, but if a lofty goal has a chance, some don't, but if it does, you can break it apart, look at all the different components and pieces that can affect it. And if you think about it, it's actually the reason for the old question, how do you eat an elephant? Eat that elephant one bite at a time, and I guarantee you, your team and you will have greater success. Thanks so much for listening today. And if you enjoyed this, just tell a friend about us. We just ask one friend, not a hundred of your friends, just one friend. Yeah, just one. Ask them to give us a listen, join in the fun, and check out our website. It's easy. My job here is done.com. I'm the announcer guy, and I sound as good as the story you just listened to. My job here is done as a podcast production of 2.0 LLC. Thank you and your awesome ears for listening. Want to get involved? Have your own special story to share? Tell us all about it, and you might get some airtime just like me. Browse over to myjobhereisdone.com. Yeah, squish that all together into one word and look for the My Story link. Until next time, my job here is done. Did we try? Did we try this one last time? Or <clears throat> we got so hung up on the other one that no, we, we never threw came. Fuck this for today. <laughs> That's exactly what we did. <laughs> I'm Dave, and this is the lovely and talented. What the fuck? <laughs> you know, there's nowhere to turn your uh, mic off, like. Like if you had to sniff or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs>